The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Kelly Ford will talk college football bowl season. But first, we've gotten to get some college hoops. Joining us now to do just that is Isaac Trotter from 247 Sports. Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's jump into what happened last night. UConn against North Carolina, top 10 matchup there. The Huskies win 87-76. to As far as Final Four and National Championship possibilities, what did we learn from that game that we can project going forward for both teams? Yeah, I think for UConn, uh, there's kind of this narrative of how hard it is to repeat, but this team has lost its three best players. They all go pro, and they haven't missed a beat. And I think that says a lot about what Dan Hurley has built. And they are very they, – they don't play a lot of isolation basketball. It's, it's very team-oriented, connected stuff. They run a ton of sets. They're one of the best coach teams in the country. And I think you saw that against North Carolina. They just sliced and diced that defense apart and got kind of wherever they want, whenever they want. And the best part about UConn long-term is, you know, what we have to do in, in March is you got to find a way to win six different games. And I think UConn has six – seven, eight different chances of, of how they can win basketball games. They can win it with Tristan Newton being the alpha. They can win it with Cam Spencer being a two-way guy. They can win it with Alex Caravan being one of the top power forwards in the country. They, they have Donovan Klingon, who's, who's elite. And Steph Castle still isn't back yet, a five-star freshman who's one of the best youngsters in the country. So I just feel like they have a lot of different scenarios and ways that they can win both defensively and offensively that, that make me feel really good about March. And, you know, with North Carolina – 
you know, that, that this is a team that they're getting really good play out of out of a couple guys, R.J. Davis and Harrison Ingram. We know what those faces look like, and Harrison Ingram's been really good, but they can't reach this tip of the top ceiling if Armando Baycott to keep missing layups and Cormac Ryan can't hit threes. Both of those guys are fifth-year seniors, and Baycott's shooting 53% on layups this year, one of his worst marks of the season, and Ryan has been 25% from downtown. He's one of the best snipers in the ACC. So I, I like what UNC has. We've seen them be really potent. We see what they've done, done against Tennessee but I still think they have another level they can get to when their vets start playing up to par. Uh, Isaac, another notable game from last night. How about the Illini and FAU? The over gets smashed. Illinois scored 59 in the second half of that game. Any, uh, any takeaways that uh, you figure are noteworthy? Yeah, for me, I thought Illinois was going to be an elite defensive team this year, and we've seen pieces of that be really, really good defensively. But I think their offensive process is a lot better this year than what it was in the past. They are huge. Like they are six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot six, six foot eleven. That's their starting lineup. That that's a really big team. And so I think if you're looking to attack Illinois, you're trying to find those teams with small guards. And FAU has small guards no in their backcourt was over six foot four and illinois played a lot of booty ball last night where they just go isolation in the mid post and go to work and and that's going to be the recipe moving forward for this group and i think that's an angle to attack with illinois now i'm in chicago you can't bet on illinois in in chicago but that's an angle to look at moving forward with them is those big strong teams against teams that have smaller mismatches in the Big Ten are going to be really invaluable for Illinois. And you can go through all of these Big Ten teams. Michigan has a five foot ten point guard. Indiana has multiple guys under six foot three that are going to play a lot. We've seen Michigan State has a really small backcourt, so they're going to have opportunities to do a lot of the same things they did offensively last night. Again, moving forward in Big Ten play. I'm jealous. I can't bet college player props, but I know many can. And for those who can, uh, tell us a little bit about your process and what angles you're locked in on. Yeah, I think college basketball props is probably the softest market out there. It's really interesting, especially in the days where you see games happen day after day, especially during Feast Week when you got to see like a team play on Tuesday, then they play on Wednesday, then they play on Thursday. I legitimately was very curious because I didn't feel like the the lines had any idea what they were doing from the player prop perspective. One night you have a guy at seven and a half points as his prop. The next night it's 13 and a half and nothing has changed. And so that's like that's like the the variances that you can kind of attack from a market perspective. And, you know, I think there's some really good websites out there that you can use to your advantage. I think Bart Torvik does a really good job. And for me, when I when I go on the, the prop market, I'm looking at you know, just the pure volume. I'm not trying to chase efficiency. I'm looking for volume. And so I look at like shooting splits, um, which teams allow the most points at the rim, which teams allow the fewest threes, which teams are are really giving up a lot of efficiency at the rim when they do get there. You know, and so today or tomorrow, a good example, Iowa State plays Iowa. Iowa State has elite rim defense. They allow the fewest shots at the rim. So for me, in my process, I go look at Iowa I look at for the guys on their thing. I look for the usage rates, who has the low usage rates and which guys are mostly shooting most of their shots around the rim. They're not going to get a lot of those against Iowa State. And I think it leads to some advantageous angles in the prop market. So I I think college basketball props is a really interesting spot because there's great data out there that you can get for free if you're looking for it in the right places. Um, But it's also tough because you can get limited very easily as well. And I think that's a I think that's a real angle that you have to talk about. Like that's a legit part of the equation here that like it's a little bit of a niche market. 
And so if you're coming in hot and you're riding on, on college basketball props or you're locking in on A-10 basketball or you're locking in on Big Ten basketball and you really get a feel for these teams on a day-in, day-out basis, I think you kind of have to mix up your portfolio a little bit too to, to try to be able to place action at that book. So those are the things that I, I keep looking at from that perspective. No, that's some really sound advice. And Bart Torvik, uh, great website, great resource for sure. I look at it all the time around this time of year. So definitely appreciate that. I'm curious too, you mentioned trends uh, that you look for. You mentioned rim protection in your example. Are there some trends that you think are more predictive than others when it comes to looking at props, whether it is uh, limiting three-point attempts, rim protection, things like that? Absolutely. I, I, that's the, the two that I think that I look at the most. Uh, and it's really based around ball screen defense. A lot of teams are playing a lot of drop coverage right now, which means that, you know, they have a big man lurking in the middle of the paint. Their guards are going over the top of screens and they're trying to limit three point attempts and they're trying to limit shots at the rim. And you see that on Bartorvik where they have like this section called long twos. And like, that's where you start to see a lot of like, those are the shots that they're trying to force. And so in the prop market, like, I think that three-point volume is super, super valuable. This is not the NBA. You know, this is a 30-second shot clock. It's a 40-minute game. It's not 48 minutes. It's not 24 seconds. The volume, the pure raw number of possessions are down. Under one and a half threes has been a really, really valuable prop for me this year. When you're finding those teams, Creighton doesn't let you get a lot of threes off. Illinois does not let you get a lot of threes off. You know, let me pull up the numbers here again real quick. Uh, Maryland is a team that does not get, get off a lot of threes. They play Penn State tonight. Penn State, Zach Hicks, all he does is shoot threes. And so Maryland's super locked in on the, on the scouting report. That's an interesting prop that you can look at where you're trying to find out, like, those guys that, hey, if you're only play, playing, you know, 28, 29 minutes a night and four attempts from three, you're averaging four attempts from three, your average prop is usually going to be one and a half. And if you have a team like Maryland who's taking away the threes and running you off the line and you're only getting three attempts, I'll take that math. I'll take that math. And so that's where I'm looking forward to it in the prop market. It's like you can you can find some interesting angles where teams, like if you start to get a real feel for how they want to defend you, like you, you kind of know what shots they're trying to give up and what shots they're not. It doesn't, it's not foolproof. It's not going to work hundred percent of the time, but I think that's like mm -hmm. the smarter analysis of, of basketball and, and like watching the game and kind of understanding what they're trying to give up and what they're not and how you can attack that from a, from a props perspective. Uh, what about the big game tonight? We've got Texas Marquette. I'm seeing eight, eight and a half Marquette favored total of one fifty and a half. What do you think? Yeah, it's a it's going to be a really good game. I'm actually heading up to Marquette tonight to cover that game. And, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, for, for Texas, you, they don't have Dylan DeSue back yet. So it's kind of been an all, man's, all, all hands on deck approach for them. They have five or six guys that can be the leading scorer on any given night. Uh, for me, I, I'm looking at Tyrese Hunter over 10 and a half points is an interesting prop that I'm eyeing. Marquette uh, gives up a decent amount of threes because a big part of their game plan is doubling post-ups. Tyrese Hunter is a Wisconsin kid, kind of gets to go back home. Ten and a half is his prop for a guy who's had moments where he's their alpha dog. That's an interesting one for me, too. And, you know, that's the other part of, of this process, too, is like you have to look at usage rates. I think that really, really matters. And so for a team like Texas, they have a bunch of different guys in that 20 to 24 percent usage rates, which kind of basically means like they're kind of splitting the ball pretty much equally. It's not like a Purdue situation where Zach Eady has the ball 35 percent of the time, 33 percent of the time. Like it's a very different conversation. So Tyrese Hunter is I think he's fourth on the team in usage rate, but they're also bunched together. So, yeah, he has the fourth highest prop of his own on his team. Team, 
but he's a guy who can easily be the number one on any given night. So I think he's going to get good looks from three tonight. And I think that that up-tempo scheme that Marquette plays, they really want to play you, speed you up and play you fast. And that's kind of where Tyrese Hunter can go to work against. I think I think he'll have some advantageous matchups too when he's going up against some of Marquette's smaller-ish guards. Like they will really hound you on the perimeter, but they don't have a ton on the back end. And Tyrese Hunter can finish over anybody at the rim. What futures have you placed? Any interest in the futures market here? I I have. I, I have been really interested in the SEC. I think the SEC is super wide open this year from just the pure SEC perspective. You know, everybody kind of coming in the year thought Tennessee was going to be, you know, maybe the best team in the league. And, and I still feel like that, even if they've taken some losses. But I think the middle of the SEC is is pretty darn good. And a lot of teams have taken some early season losses that don't don't look that great, to be honest. But for me, Auburn, I think they're 12 to 1 at certain books to win the SEC. That's the seventh longest odds in their in their um in the league that doesn't make sense to me i think this is one of the top three or four best teams in the league they're excellent they're deep they're one of the deepest front courts in college basketball janai broom is a load jalen williams averaged about 15 points a game last year aiden holloway five-star freshman can really shoot the cover off the ball and denver jones had a coach tell me he was the best scorer in, in conference usa last year outside of jelly walker who made a big name for himself in march so that's a team that's super super interesting to me because i think they have all the pieces they can play different ways. They have depth. They have eight, nine guys. They have an awesome home court advantage, which I think plays a huge, huge role as well. So that's a team seventh longest odds for an Auburn team that I think might be the third best team in the league, maybe second, and has a chance to push a Tennessee team that's a little bit more flawed than I initially thought. That That's an interesting one for me. What about in the Big 12 Conference? Uh, per bet MGM, Kansas uh, leads the way at plus 210, which is predictable. But Houston, plus 275, certainly in the mix. Baylor getting some attention at 6-1. to one. Anything there top of the board or someone in the middle, could they be lurking? Yeah, this is a very interesting league to me because I don't have the numbers in front of me for a second. It popped off, but I do think it tends to be, you know, I think Baylor's going to be a little bit overvalued, to be honest. That's a team that uh, they're undefeated. They've played well. I think they have the number one offense in the country, according to Ken Palm. And they're starting to play defense a little bit better. But I still, they still leave me wanting a little bit more. That's not, that's not the oldest team in the league. And that's not the team. They're, they're, they're a very unique team. And the other thing, too, with Houston, that's another team that I think everybody feels great about. I'm a little bit worried about their shot diet. They shoot a ton of jumpers. What does that mean on a, in the Big 12 on a night-to-night basis? That leads for high-variance options. When your jumpers aren't going in, you're not getting shots at the rim, you're not shooting a lot of free throws, that can lead to some issues. And, you know, they're going to rely on defense, they're going to rely on offensive rebounding. But I feel like in the in the Big 12 right now, it feels like a lot of people are saying, oh, it's Kansas, it's Baylor, it's Houston. And I think there's some check engine lights on for a couple of those teams that could open the door for some teams in the middle to start playing better because Oklahoma has really impressed me in the early going. That's a team that crushed it in the transfer portal. Cincinnati is a new team coming up that's really, really has a deep, deep roster, especially in that front court. BYU is a wagon right now. I'm not sure how legit it is. I think they're six nationally mm-hmm. on Ken Palm, and that feels a little bit a little too rich for my blood at, at this point. But I think the Big 12 is a little bit more wide open than we, we initially thought because some of the teams at the top, I do think, aren't quite as, you know, dominant as all. And I think I think this league's so good that they, they're going to pick each other off, which could lead to openings in the middle. Uh, it, it's early, but I want to take a look at Saturday because it's the first Saturday I think people are going to really turn their attention over to college hoops with the uh, – 
the college football for the most part wrapping up last week. You've got uh, Wisconsin and Arizona and then Illinois and Tennessee. We were talking about Illinois a little bit earlier. Now, Ken Palm has these numbers, Arizona favored by six, or at least beating Wisconsin by six, and Tennessee by five over the Illini. Any initial thoughts uh, on those two matchups? Yeah, I think uh, the the Illinois-Tennessee game, I'm interested to see what that, that over-under comes out as because I think both these teams are can kind of dial back into their defensive roots. They, they're really schematically, what Illinois did to FAU, I don't think they'll be able to do to Tennessee because Tennessee is a whole lot bigger. So I think that could also lead to an under. Dalton Connect has been phenomenal for Tennessee this year. Excuse me. Uh, but Hello. there's also a chance. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think someone's – annoying they're saying anyway, don't bet the uh, Illini uh, game like, since you live in Illinois that's they're calling the right, exactly uh, with, with Wisconsin and Arizona I think what we have is a, a very different matchup too Arizona will play fast Illinois or Wisconsin or Arizona is really aggressive in transition Wisconsin is playing a little bit differently this year with AJ store but they're not as deep as they used to be and I thought coming into this year Connor Seijin was going to be a really big piece of them I'm worried about Wisconsin's firepower against an Arizona team that I think can score at a lot of different levels. Uh, Arizona has great guard depth. They have great ball pressure. Uh, their wings are really, really good. And Wisconsin can get a little bit thin when a Seijin, I mean, a Seijin got iced out of the rotation. He's at four minutes a game right now in the last few, few outings. And, and that was a guy who was potentially the big 10 freshman of the year last year. So I'm a little bit worried about Wisconsin. You might be able to get Arizona in a good line. If it's five and a half, I think that makes a lot of sense for Arizona because that's a, that's a team that's not going to struggle to score against anybody. And I'm still a little bit worried that Wisconsin, you know, they beat Marquette. That's a really good win. They go on the road, they beat Michigan State. But Arizona is a completely different animal. Good stuff. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports, thank you so much for your time. We'll let you answer the phone now. We greatly appreciate it. This is Becky Ball Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Kelly Ford tells us if Florida State can regroup and win its bowl game after getting snubbed from the college football playoff. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to Kelly Ford in just a bit. But first, guys, we got to let you know about an exciting opportunity with college football. It's the College Football Bowl Pick'em Challenge. For existing BetMGM Sportsbook account holders, BetMGM is giving our online sportsbook customers the opportunity to win a grand prize of up to $25,000 if they predict the most college football bowl games against the spread correctly out of the eligible users. Log into the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Go to the Promotions tab on your BetMGM Sports account to access the BetMGM College Football Bowl Pick'em Challenge. Complete and submit the BetMGM College Football Bowl Pick'em Challenge entry. One entry per customer permitted. Customers do not need to make all selections at once. Selections on games can be made up until kickoff for each game. Customers will have the opportunity to win up to $25,000 if they predict the most college football bowl games against the spread correctly out of the eligible users. Please make sure to check that out. An exciting opportunity to know everything about college football and showcase your knowledge. And now... 
for someone else to showcase his college football knowledge is none other than Kelly Ford from thelines.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I've got a two-parter for you to get our conversation kicked off. First off, have you gotten over Florida State getting snubbed from the college football playoff? And then for the second part, do you feel like that the Seminoles can use this as motivation against Georgia in the Orange Bowl? Uh, hey, Ed, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. it. sounds like a great promotional opportunity there. It's hard enough to pick games during the regular season against the spread. Man, bowl season's a whole other animal, so that, that'll be a fun <laughs> competition. Uh, the two-part question – Time heals all wounds. I'm not even a Florida State fan, so I'm not invested in this from that aspect. I do think they got a raw deal. Am I over it? I guess because we have to be, right? Like we're moving forward and that's life, but it really does stink if you're a Seminole fan or just a fan of college football, in my honest opinion. Can they use it for motivation in the bowl game against Georgia? I think probably yes. Um Will it be enough to get the outright victory? I mean, Georgia's going to be disappointed that they're not in the playoff too, right? So they're playing with their own kind of motivation to prove, hey, you guys made a mistake. You said you wanted the four best teams, and then you went and said we're not one of those. So I think Georgia's got their own motivation too. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what players have opted out, what coaches are moving around, taking different jobs from these staffs, all of that. But yes, they can use it. Will it be enough for them to get the win outright in that game? I don't know. Yeah, like somebody's uh, a couple people reaching out to me. Are you doing a bowl season pool? Are you doing a bowl season pool? And I'm just like, hell no. Like, we don't even know who's playing in these <laughs> games. And I think it's how it is for most most of college football and college football fans. It's like, okay, we really care about the playoff. But unless it's your team, the rest of it compared to when we were all growing up and bowl season was awesome. You had a new game and all these intriguing matchups and everybody was playing. Like, I don't blame the players for sitting at all, especially with, you know, the coaches and they get paid and all that much, much more and they can move whenever they want. Um, and, uh, you know, with transfer portal, I guess that's the same. You see all the names out there, but just as a huge fan of the sport, how is bowl season for you? Are you to the point where, yeah, I, I care about the playoffs. I know what I'm going to get there and it's going to be everybody's best. Do you care less about the rest of it? How is it for you now? Yeah, Joe, it's a great question. It's something that every college football fan has to grapple with, right, and decide for themselves. Dirty little secret about me that some people find surprising, I've really never cared as much about the postseason, bowls, BCS, national championship game, CFP. I mean, to me, yes, I care, and I watch, right? And, and you're competing for championships. That's why the top end of college football, that's what they get up, get up for every day, and that's what they want to play for. So I get all that. I care. I'll watch. But college football is a regular season sport for me. And that's one of my contentions about, you know, CFP expansion. Is it good? Is it bad? All that. It boils down to what's the impact on the regular season. And so because that's how mm. I view college football is through the regular season lens. So do I care? Yes. Will I watch as many bowl games as I can? Sure. Like I'll have them on in the background. I won't be sitting there glued to my TV during every single second. Like, quite honestly, I am during college football Saturdays during the regular season. Like, I've got the TV set up. I'm in the basement. I'm watching that thing from noon Eastern until well past midnight for as much as I can. Bowl season, it's fun. It's exciting. 
I don't know if it means quite as much now as it used to, if we're being honest, but I'm with you, Joe. I don't blame the student athletes for doing what they're doing. They need to do what's in their best interest. That's what everybody does in life every single day, regardless of their profession, craft trade, whatever. So I don't blame them for that. Um, I do think that it uh, alters, obviously, the product that we see on the field during bowl season, but it's an opportunity for other student athletes on the team who didn't get a chance during the regular season or need to prove themselves, prove their worth if they're getting ready to go into the transfer portal or just, uh, just impress the coaching staff for next year well I'm sure you were glued to Oregon Washington over the weekend and I guess the Huskies are the real deal right <laughs> coming away with the win but I know you have them uh the Ducks I should say rated much higher so I'm just curious you know what you think about this matchup against Texas yeah, Aaron, uh, Oregon, Washington, they got us again, right? All, all the computer <laughs> folks, all the people with models, they proved us wrong. I will say my model had Oregon as a favorite, eight and a half points, which I believe is where the line opened and it closed at Oregon minus 10. So I don't think any movement was uh, appropriate at all based on the opening, but I certainly think it ended up going the wrong way too. Like if you were to tell me, Kelly, take more than eight and a half or less than eight and a half, based on what we'd already seen from these teams and how we knew Washington was going to get up, I would have said go the other way. So uh, interesting enough, Washington gets it done again, proving once again that games aren't played on paper. I wish the committee would have considered that a little bit more strongly when they were picking Florida State or Alabama. But regardless of that, how do I feel about that game, Texas and Washington? Surprise, surprise, Washington fans. My numbers make Texas about a five-point favorite. Um, hey, my numbers doubted TCU in 2022 on multiple occasions, uh, proven correct in the <laughs> Big 12 championship game, proven incorrect in the playoff against Michigan. So Washington, what I would say to you is keep proving me wrong. Um, Vegas actually had Washington as an underdog against Oregon State. My numbers did like Washington to win that game outright. So I think I'm showing a little bit more respect to Washington and my model than maybe Vegas is or some of the other power rating models out there, but there's no getting around it. In this game, my numbers like Texas and uh, we'll see. Washington's proven me wrong before. I won't be surprised at all if they prove me wrong again. But Texas, on paper, does have more talent. How's about the other semifinal? Alabama and Michigan. Wolverines are a one-point favorite at the Rose Bowl with a total of 45 and a half. Yeah, it makes me a little nervous. Ed. My numbers have Michigan minus about four and a half in this game. And really? like I, I know, I, yeah, so it, it surprises me even a little bit. Michigan's my number one power-rated team. Alabama from a power rating standpoint, like I don't think this is breaking news. They're not as good as they have been in previous years. I have them power rated number six right now. So like, they're a good team, but also if the committee truly wanted the quote four best teams from power rating standpoints, there's a lot of models out there that don't have Alabama in the top four. I'm not suggesting that some of the other teams above them were more deserving. They certainly weren't. Alabama was deserving. Um, the question is, were they in the top four most deserving? Yeah, I've got Michigan minus four and a half. I do think that Michigan has a higher floor than Alabama. Like we've seen consistently, Michigan just doesn't really have bad performances. I mean, what are you going to point to? The Maryland game where they won by seven, maybe. Alabama's had some real stinkers. Now, if you're looking at ceilings, if both teams play their A-plus game, Alabama probably wins the game, if we're being honest. Alabama hasn't always played their A-plus game this year. Michigan's on consistently played a much higher level. So we will see. Uh, I am interested to see uh, how the, you know, almost a month to prepare for this game, what that does for it. If this was a one-week prep, I'd feel a little bit differently about it, I think. But both these teams have a full month. Um, there's going to be no stone left unturned. And I do think Nick Saban, with a month to prepare, uh, certainly is something that, that Michigan needs to be wary of here. But – 
on paper, my models liked Michigan over Alabama really since like week three this year. I mean, basically after the UCF game, Alabama fell and they haven't come, come back to crack back into that top four or five all year. So I'll be curious. Do I feel confident about taking Michigan and laying those points? No, but that's what the model says. And the model, the model had a pretty darn good year. Wow, quite quite a gap now, because uh, that number is all the way down to one after uh, some mm-hmm. Bama money has come in. All right, we have the uh, Heisman finalists for Saturday, and we know the formula most of the time that with the fourteen playoff, that you need to be a quarterback that makes the playoff. We have one of the four finalists. That's Michael Penix. The other finalists there: Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison, Bo Nix. Who's the winner? Well, I'm confused first because I thought, you know, Jordan Travis, he's the most important player in college football. He's why Florida State doesn't make the playoffs. Like, he's the Heisman, right? I mean, he's that important. No, I'm kidding. I had to get another shot in. I know it's I know it's old rhetoric now, but I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to win the Heisman. Um, and I know his team lost a few games. Other Heismans in recent years have lost a few games as well. You look at uh, Lamar Jackson. You look at uh, Robert Griffin III just in the last decade plus. So, Jaden Daniels, what he did this year, what he accomplished. Like, we talk about USC, right? And Caleb Williams, he won it last year. And we talk about if USC would have had a defense, either last year or this year, what could have been for that team? I don't think enough people are talking about LSU. If they had a defense, and the LSU defense is better than the USC defense. Like, don't get me wrong there. But the LSU defense is not very good. And the fact that Jaden Daniels was able to do what he did – you almost think actually because their defense was bad and he was on the field more, he was able to do these things and he had to score these points. He had to put up these numbers for them to have chances. I just think if if that defense was good, this LSU team, I mean, from a power rating standpoint, they were right there all year. I feel bad. They didn't have a better defense for Jaden Daniels and what he could have accomplished. But the the fact of the matter is the numbers are the numbers and Jaden Daniels had a fantastic year. I would be surprised if Jaden Daniels does not win the Heisman. My guess is it goes Daniels one, Knicks two, Penix three, and Marvin Harrison Jr. would be four. That's my guess as to how this will play out um, i'm very curious to see that yo trey kevin what's up man you know i've been thinking what would have happened if the nba never vetoes the chris paul trade to the lakers and we get cp3 in the same backcourt as kobe in la well you get a very happy jack nicholson for sure and the lakers probably win a bunch more championships cp3 finally gets a ring or two or three and the kardashian empire is forever altered That's what did you just say hey everybody i'm trey wingo and i'm kevin frazier and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from wondery alternate routes as former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Speaking of guessing, uh, I'd like to, for you to guess the exact outcome of the college football playoff. I know that you have your power ratings and your model, but if you had to guess, even, you know, we we're talking about Washington. They can even if your model has something different. So if you had to pick, how is this going to play out in the end? The exact scores, yeah. too. You have to give the oh, exact, exact scores. scores. Okay. Every wow. game. Yeah. And, and passing and rushing yards by all key players. I might as well just win this $25,000 here from the from the uh, bet, d- daily g- g- uh, QL competition right now. I mean, geez, this is, this is tough. Give me, give, give, give me um, so, okay, first I'll give you the model. The model favors Michigan, as we talked about, and Texas. It would favor Michigan in the national championship game. So that's what the model thinks. I'll be completely honest, from just my gut, and I, I don't go with my gut often because the model's proven to be tried and true, and when I vary from it, it, it doesn't work out well for me. I think probably Alabama wins uh, their semifinal game. I think Washington probably wins their semifinal game. So now I've gone against the model twice. And now in the national championship game, I would love to see Washington be able to to win a national championship and, and, and finish off a regular season and, and, and uh, play off undefeated. I'm going to probably go Alabama because it's Nick Saban. He's got time to prepare. <laughs> and from a talent advantage standpoint, it's them. And so people will then say, see, Alabama did deserve to make the playoff because they ended up winning the whole thing. I've got to say, I don't really care how it plays out. You can't use performance in the playoff to validate selection, either right or wrong. I said it last year going into the the TCU-Michigan game. Hey, regardless of what happens to TCU here, the committee made the right choice. They deserve to be in. Uh, Now, they went and won a game and then got blown out, so I had to bring back that that conversation again. It didn't matter. You can't use performance to validate selection. So um, with that in mind, I do think in my gut, Alabama probably wins the national championship. The model says Michigan. Got to ask you about Army-Navy here. Army three-point favorites with a total of 27.5, a tradition unlike any other. We're embedding the under in an Army-Navy game. How does this play out? Yeah, a tradition unlike any other. Uh, I was talking to somebody else, and they said this is good because now instead of having just the most re- the the lowest over unders in the history of college football, it's not just the recent Iowa games anymore. Now we're throwing this game in there too, so that's good. Um, how does this game play out? My model has it Army minus two and a half, so I'm really right there, kind of kind of with Vegas on that. Um, I, in the preseason, I projected 6.1 regular season wins for Army. I projected 5.9 for Navy. Both these teams, 5 and 6 coming in, they both need this game to, to meet my realistic expectations. They don't care about that, but I certainly find that interesting. My numbers like the defenses in this game. That's probably not surprising to anybody who knows anything about these two teams. Um, I have the Army defense as slightly better. They're currently a season best number 53, so that's the best unit in this game. The Navy offense is the worst unit in this game, coming in at number 127. That is the worst opposing offense that Army has faced all year so 
I think Army minus two and a half, minus three is probably about right. Army probably gets it done. They're playing for the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. If they win it, they get it. If they lose it, it ends up being a tie, which I think means it stays with Air Force. So I think Army, just with what's on the line, they are the slightly better team with a slightly better defense. That's how my numbers see it, and I would think Army, in a very close one, very low scoring, um, will it go under? Probably, because this game just goes under, and, uh, and, and that's probably a good bet, but it's hard to, to take an under that's already that low. That's good a stop. Yeah. 27 <laughs> what and a half. Like, it feels like for a decade we've been saying, how much lower can it go? How much lower can it go? Well, it's like, <laughs> it's five points lower than last year. It's just wild. It's crazy. Crazy. And I believe we have weather, uh, if we're not mistaken. So that's also an added element to, to all of this, uh, some way, shape, or form. Kelly Ford from thelines.com, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Always, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Enjoy bowl season. Thank you so much. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets uh, momentarily. I'd call this a rather strong show. Brad Spielberger, Isaac Trotter, Kelly Ford, anybody and everybody absolutely brought it today. Lots of fantastic insights. So as always, please make sure to check out our podcast wherever you podcast. And now, as far as my lightning bets are concerned, a uh, relatively light card uh, for the day. But uh, first, let's go with college basketball here. I'm going to take the points with Texas uh, against Marquette. I get that Marquette mm-hmm. will allow Texas more three-point opportunities and long two-point attempts than, say, the average defense. Uh, do love the offensive efficiency for Marquette, uh, but it is something where I feel like it's just too big of a number. And uh, I know Shaka Smart going up against his former team. Will there be some added motivation uh, at this point? I don't think so. This will probably be just another game for Marquette. Whereas with Texas, I mean, you know, there's NCAA consideration where they really do need to build that resume uh, being sort of a, a middle team in the big 12. So I'm going to go with Texas plus eight and a half also in college basketball, San Francisco and Vanderbilt. I'm going to lay the points with USF. Uh, one of the more analytically driven uh, college basketball teams in terms of uh, going to the rim or shooting threes and uh, fo- focusing on those aspects of the game as far as their defense is concerned. Great defense San Francisco has. Don's, uh, they will have the rebounding advantage against Vanderbilt. And yeah, I know Vanderbilt is an SEC team, but I think San Francisco's had a much better strength of schedule. And so I expect them to showcase their efficiencies a good bit more. So I'm going to take that side. And then finally, Army-Navy under 27 and a half. We do have a good defense playing. We will have a lot of ground and pound plays being called. Uh, Also, cold weather, maybe uh, not the best of weather conditions. So again, tradition unlike any other, Army-Navy under 27 and a half, Joe. Uh, I get it. Uh, still undecided on that one. I don't think it can go mm-hmm. any lower. Maybe it can, <laughs> but I feel like surprise I've got a surprise us time. every year, right? <laughs> I know. I guess it can. Um, with you on Texas, give me the eight and a half. This number uh, surprised me a little bit, and I know Texas compared to most seasons, uh, that defense not off to as strong of a start. 
and they'll probably that'll probably level out there. But uh, yeah, Marquez lost two of the last three, eight and a, eight and a half. That's a heavy, heavy number. Give me the dog on the road taking Texas and NBA play. I'm going with the side. All right, maybe their numbers should be telling me something, but I'm like, this is just so ridiculous. Yeah, it's been bad for the Grizzlies, but is it so bad? that they should only be favored by a point and a half against a Pistons team that has lost 17 straight games? Like, what is going on here? And and the Grizzlies have actually, you know, last uh, week or so, they've recovered a little bit. They'd be Utah. They'd be Dallas. Yeah, give me the Grizzlies minus one and a half. And, and that's at BetMGM. I know a lot of the market's at two, two and a half already. I expect that to climb a little bit. So uh, Memphis minus one and a half, Texas plus eight and a half in college. Love it. I am going back to the double-double well. It hit last night. I've got a Nikola double-double special. Nikola Vucevic (laughs) and Nikola Jokic tonight. You parlay them together. It's minus 132, and they are your leaders right behind Sabonis in the NBA for double-double so far this season. So at minus 132 for a couple guys that seem to get double doubles on a regular basis i like it paul is your boyfriend gonna have trouble with uh you wearing a sonics jacket instead of a king's jacket? <laughs> which boyfriend which boyfriend You're right. sabonis. daniel yeah. there's I was like, so I was like, many sports yeah. what are we doing sabonis. yeah i forgot yeah. <laughs> arson judge <laughs> uh, as jake depends on the time out, of year who today. my boyfriend is yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to cede my time to uh, the representative from the north side of Chicago, Jake Hassan. Um, yes. Or at least that's where he lives right now. Uh, but I just have an announcement, and I think I might be a Swifty now. Uh, I guess in response to all people complaining about her being on TV, she said, I think this is real. It's from Yahoo Sports. I'm just there oh, to support Travis. I have no awareness of if I'm being shown too much on on TV and pissing off a few dads, Brads, and Chads. Props to T Swift. I'm a fan of this statement. And that's all I got. I saw about. that. I, I laughed too. Good stuff. Apparently, she also realized she likes football now and she's been missing out her whole life. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's also going to mush them. She this likes this version. She's like, this is when she comes <laughs> in, like the worst year ever with all the quarterback injuries and low scoring. Like now she's decided that she likes it. If you like it now, just you wait. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Paul, you still yeah. you still uh, fasting or what? Did you make no, it? No, I did a green shake this morning on the way into work. Uh, Aaron saved my life, I think, with the salt recommendation. I did a little bone broth, too. Yes. But, like, in the middle of the day, like, 2, two o'clock yesterday, I was, like, a little bit delirious. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was, like... Uh, I stopped, got some bone broth, and then just like crushed Aaron some Rogers. salt. Yeah. <laughs> so you um, bone broth and salt. Like, uh, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> much you? it. And then I think I had a cup of the bone broth, and that was it. Other than that, it was just salt, some water, some lemon water, which I know I, I looked it up. You guys said oh, that no. breaks it. No, no. Yeah. What? You, guys are, what? you guys are false news. I looked it up. What are it's you talking fine. about? Lemon water. Lemon. Aaron thinks I cheated. Oh, I didn't Lemon's say that. supposed to break it. I, Wait, I thought well, it does break it. 
Well, according to my research, <laughs> it does not. So Wait, Paul did his own research. research. Check your facts. Depending yeah. on yeah. where you Google it. Yeah, yeah where you do fine. your shopping. Yeah. I don't think yeah, it's lemons. Paul's like, oh, it doesn't break the fast I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. I will say, like, as I was making the green shake, I was like, all right, I'm about to end this this morning before I left the house. Uh, had just a spoonful of almond butter. Oh, man, it was so delicious. So good. The best thing I've ever eaten mm. in my life. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> no matter what it would have Remember. been, you're like, this is so good. Yeah. Remember, that's almond butter, not peanut butter. Big difference. No, peanut butter Big. is for losers. Yeah, peanut butter. Oh, is great. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Almond butter and jelly sandwich. That's okay, clutch. I'm out. Hi, Jake. Yeah. Hey, hey, Aaron. <laughs> Tough. Peter continues. How's your, your 200 <laughs> What up? Oh, gosh. How's my, yeah. how's my what? You're still <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. I've, where'd you you know, guys, hold on. Where'd you guys go to dinner? Or what kind of cuisine, I guess. You said you were at a dinner Ooh, when you got the Jake text. and Aaron? Um, I was on my way. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I'm not I'm not giving a... I, mean, I, I can't give like you people information men. on the show. I'm not telling you like people where I'm going. Night. Yeah, I'm not giving you people Flies a girl in. No, 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 no. What's your address not as on money the north flight. side? Uber girl wants a flight, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what all anybody wants from me, just... Just use me for flights and Ubers and food. Big dinners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, we've got a 200 to 1 that's going to pay for all these steak dinners. Uh, yeah, because who doesn't want an MLB future that doesn't pay until November on December 6th of the Let's previous go. year, you know? Uh, no, win, to- win totals went up. Stat leaders went up yesterday or the day before I saw them yesterday. And I scrolled. There was I wrote this name down like I'm basically right after the season ended because I'm a huge sicko. But... I've had this name written down for a while. I went to look for it immediately. Can we guess, like, teams? If you guys want to. We've got some time. Yeah, I mean, if oh, you, yeah, want, if you want to guess. You were on a roll, and I just You're good. Right in there. <laughs> like this guy has one downhill. spoonful of almond butter and thinks he's on top of the world. Uh, no, it's it's Tristan <laughs> Cassis. It's Tristan oh, okay. Cassis of the Red Sox. Uh, rookie year last year. Had his ups and downs. First baseman, but... He went through a streak for like three months where he was one of the best hitters on the planet in the league. He slashed for three months, 317, 410, 592, OPS over 1,000. He was unbelievable, had a slow start to the year, but everything on his StatCast page is red, which means good in this instance. Barrel rate, barrel percentage, sweet spot rate, hard hit percentage. He's really good. He was a nobody. He was a zero. And then he went on this tear and made himself a finalist for AO Rookie of the Year. Obviously didn't win, as Gunnar Henderson famously won. But I think that there is a real opportunity here. I think 200 to 1 is completely the wrong price. And I know I'm right because I did some research with another human being. And you know what? I texted this person about this number, and the only response was in. And that made me feel so great about it. Someone who I've been aligned with before. Joe Giglio, we're in. Let's go. Oh, God. <laughs> Joe Giglio, oh, who God. gave us, what, Christian Walker at 150 to 1 last year or something? And hit, exactly. Like, How'd that go? Four home How'd runs. Yeah. Joe Giglio, <laughs> who claimed it was Matt Jones' season also? Yeah. yeah. And then me, who claimed it was Tiger's season. Sometimes you lose some, but we're back. This is how That's we get shot. back. Yeah, you got to fire. Okay. I, but uh, really, I think this number is going to close. Like, I think this number gets cut in half by opening day, if not more. Like, 200 to 1 is outrageous for this guy. Tristan Cassis looks exactly like all of Jake's guys. 
Like they all have a. I've realized you have a baseball what, type. What does that mean? The, the look of these young strapping men, you know, hair to the oh, shoulder. Yeah, got a little flow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They're cool. Otherwise known yeah. as. Can they like, play baseball I, really cool. well? Nope, but they look like dudes. Yeah. That's my guy. I see it. Do they play baseball well? No. Yeah, Gunnar oh, Henderson, one rookie of the year. <laughs> Cassis came in third. Does he have flow? Cassis a little bit. Gunner. No, Cassis. Yeah, oh, Gunner. yeah, Gunner does. Yeah. Oh, okay. for sure. I watch mm-hmm. baseball a lot. Notably, yeah. <laughs> Jacob Stallings. You know how AI will turn, uh, you know, men into women based upon different pictures. I'm curious if, uh, like, Tristan's, like, woman AI picture looks anything like, uh, the ladies uh, for whom Jake is courting. No, not even close. I could tell you that right Check now. Check Sports Illustrated. SI.com. Yeah. Right? Brian yeah, Hayes, right. 500 to 1. Just putting it out there in case. The fact he's even listed <laughs> is crazy. Oh the fact he's even listed <laughs> is Wilson outrageous. is 500 to 1. Let's really go dumpster diving. He has a better wow, chance than wow. Brian Hayes. Yeah, remember, that was Brian a hot bet a few years ago. CJ, CJ Crone, 500. Yeah. He's not in college anymore, though. The ghost of J.D. Martinez. (laughs) That'd be fun, too. Mexico. Holy cow. (laughs) Oldie but goodie. (laughs) Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.